All right, welcome back to the big program. Nine o'clock, that means our Wednesday co-host has arrived in the building. David Schlemko, powered by Cougar. Peyton Collision, our family helping your family for over 40 years. Check out cougarcollision.com. Welcome, Schlemmer. Feeling a little, you got a little little sniffle, a little, you okay? Yeah, a little sniffle. But you'll be okay. You've played through way worse. Look at the oh, Duke. Definitely. The Duke was at the Jonas Brothers last night. No problem. Not a boy, Duke. <laughs> no, I'm good. No, just, you know, kids. Do you have the Duke thing factories. set up? We got to get that. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry, sorry to interrupt, Schlemmer. Just, You're good. Uh, I was, uh, it was like squirrel for me there. But uh, big Jonas Brothers guy, Duke. <laughs> I've said it once. I'll say it a hundred times more. Anybody that is dogging me or uh, talking down to me about being excited about and liking going to the Jonas Brothers concert last night can yeah. kick rocks. <laughs> I, I posted the the gif from uh, King of the Hill in my tweet about it yesterday. Like, you hate what you don't understand. Anybody that's dogging the Joe Bros has obviously never listened to their music, at least in the last handful of years. They're good. Okay. And the live show last night was top shelf. And of the 19,000-ish people that were at Roger's Place, I was probably one of a 1,000 men. That was that was it. So That's the a ratio, good idea. The ratio was pretty good. Uh, chatted with a few. Here's one thing, and I was perplexed when this. We were in, we jumped out at one point to, during the set to go get some more beer. Conveniently, our seats were very near a bar, which was good. Uh-huh. Um, good planning by us. These two young ladies walking past asked us or asked me to take a picture of them, and, and we're like, and we're like, oh yeah, of course, no problem. <laughs> they hand me a digital camera. Yes. Wow. <laughs> oh. And nice. like, here, here's where you can tell the the generation gap. Like, these girls were younger than me, probably by quite a bit. Okay. Like, probably early twenties. Like, it's like cool and vintage to take pictures with an actual really? camera now instead of Surprise, a it wasn't cell phone. a Polaroid. Well, that, and like, that's making a big comeback as well. Mm-hmm. So I, I'm taking the picture or whatever. I obviously know how to use a, an actual camera. You hold down the button for a bit, <laughs> let it focus, flash goes off, then you click it all the way. Then they're like, oh, turn it sideways and take one in vertical. I'm mm-hmm. like, okay. I was like, weird, almost <laughs> as if I was taking it with a cell phone. Like, what are we doing that we're bringing digital cameras out to events to take pictures awesome. again? We have digital cameras in our pockets all the time. Those are the girls at the so eighteen thousand women there. So what was the average age? <laughs> I would say the average age was about mine, like late twenties. The people that would have um, really? been been in high school or junior high when the Joe Bros first made their foray onto the scene and then disappeared for you know about a decade and kind of resurfaced here mm-hmm. in the late twenty ten. So th- there was a, a fair share of um, younger crowd as well, and a few people there with say their parents and stuff. Uh, people my age with their parents, whatever. But yeah, I would say mid to late 20s, early 30s at the oldest would be about the average. But a smart move with the ratio, as you say. I remember in grade 11, I went and I took home economics in grade 11. And all my my buddies said, what are you doing? Why aren't you taking shop with us? I said, think about it. Think about it. You know, you're all, you know, all the bozos are in shop in grade 11. I'm with all the, the honey. I'm with the ladies in home ec, man. <laughs> Think about it. Smart is what it is. I like it. I like it. <laughs> We've got a few comments about CFL still. Uh, we were talking about the CFL day before you, you came in. Uh, expansion, great cup things. Uh, Big Billy texts in. What about Omaha as far as a potential CFL expansion? Reminds me. That reminds me, Reg. I was coaching in Omaha, 19 Eddie Shore. Uh, that's uh, 
from Slapshot, if <laughs> yeah. you don't recall. That is, uh, I do know that one. Joe yeah. McGrath. CFL needs only one division. Texter writes in one eight three three four zero one fourteen forty. No East and West. Dustin from the park. I haven't watched CFL since I was a kid. We had season tickets to the Eskimos years ago, but the NFL captivated me and took my attention away. Myself and my other millennial fans hardly care about the CFL. 25 to 38-year-olds here mostly watch football south of the border. CFL needs uh, to do a better job getting younger fans interested. And I think, you know, Schlemmer, we talked about this with you over the last, I don't know, several weeks about your interest, your journey in the yep. CFL. When you were growing up here, you went to tons and tons of games. Yeah, it seemed like a bigger deal. But it's fallen off. It really has. And the, the one thing I would say with the American expansion as a possibility, I don't know how that's going to work with the money, with the currency. Mm-hmm. I mean, are they going to pay them in Canadian dollars and live in America? That's going to be it's the other tough thing, living. Yeah, we did talk <laughs> about the ratio, obviously. Yeah. You know, the ratio, the Canadians playing here. And, and again, Baltimore in 1995 had no Canadian players right. on the roster. That's why they won. You know, they didn't have to worry about, you know, they anything were handicapped like that. Well, hey, there players. are great. Just make no mistake. There are great Canadian players. There are tons of great Canadian players. Think about Ocho Cinco said he had an interview last week. Uh, Chad Ocho Cinco talking because he came up to play in the CFL here. He said the CFL players are phenomenal. He was probably talking a lot about American players at the time, but but there are great CFL, great Canadian players. Make no mistake, but. When you have to worry about your ratio, when you have to worry about players on and off the field at certain times of the game, and you don't have to worry about that, like the Baltimore Stallions in 1985, or sorry, 95, right. big difference, big difference. So what are what is the ratio exactly? Oh, okay, it's, it varies. You have to have a certain amount of Canadians on the field at all time. You have to have a certain amount of Canadians on your roster, like about a dozen or so out of the 37-man roster. I wish I had the, all the numbers in front of me, but Duke is going to maybe f- figure that out. It's 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 kind of. But even on the field, at all yes. times, like every play you, there has to be. You have somebody. to. That's why sometimes if an offensive lineman gets hurt and you get down a couple offensive linemen, all of a sudden you see a Canadian D lineman in there. Right. So it's it's kind of confusing, but not. I just don't have all the info uh, in front of me right off the hop here. Uh, Patty and Spruce goes, hey, Kevin, what about the Atlantic Schooners booth at Great Cup Festival? Again, solid. <laughs> we were talking about the spirit of Edmonton. And again, we'll have Jerry Heraxion from the spirit uh, either tomorrow or Friday. It is a, like when you get to all these things, like it's a good party. Like yeah. the, the, the Great Cup is a great party. Were you at uh, any Great Cup parties or week festivals, Schlemmer? I haven't been, no. Okay. Next time it comes to Edmonton, <laughs> yeah. Next time it comes to Edmonton, it is a riot. You do, you gotta just even going out and then uh, the big thing too. I, the last time the Great Cup was here and the weather was phenomenal. Yeah, I think it was my great. parents went out and yeah. enjoyed some of the festivities. Scalding gourd. <laughs> Something about the Jonas Brothers, but I don't get it. What was oh, a paper bag over his head, Duke? Scalding Gord. I watch both CFL and NFL and go to the Elks games, even though I'm a Bombers fan. Love football. P.S. Jonas Brothers for shame. The wink emoji. Then he, but he had one here with the bag over his head, Duke. He tweeted that at me yesterday, too. Oh. Like, <laughs> I, I, I love this one coming from Beer Man. Mm-hmm. Uh, as one of the other beer guys got a hotel key last night. <laughs> no, he didn't use it. 
Spearman says. What is it? What? Like, I'm assuming oh. while he were uh, one of the vendors peddling some refreshments oh. might have uh, been slipped access to uh, somebody's room. I get it. And uh, opted Ooh. out. Opted out. Egan says Utah. Well, we did say, well, I guess Coeur d'Alene's in Idaho. Utah, a possibility, because we're just yeah. talking about expansion to get to 10 teams. Uh, again, I was out at, it was called Touchdown Atlantic in twenty in 2010, and yeah. it was out in Fredericton. The Eskimos then were playing the Toronto Argonauts. Man, I think it was Toronto. That was a wild time out there, too, because, you know, you're kind of getting out. Uh, we did a lot of things. We were doing a, a lot of things for coverage-wise, but... I mean, that's 13 years ago. This has been in the works for a decade and a half to have a franchise out in Atlantic Canada. Hasn't happened. So it's holding it back. Money, ownership, what is it? Many things, many things. Uh, Ownership is one. Then you've got levels of government. We need to get a stadium built. All right. Uh, Texter wrote in a little while ago about Halifax expanding the facility where the Halifax Wanderers play, CPL, right now 5,000 fans. Could, uh, he said, Texas work. well, no, they <laughs> said, could they expand to 10,000? Is that enough? No, you need double that. So now, and I mean, if you're going to go to a CFL, if you want to have a franchise in a, in, a, in a city, you're not erecting, you know, temporary seats around a bowl, or around, you know, where St. FX plays and things no. like that. You know, you got to have a stadium. Well, you need gate revenue in the you know, CFL, right? Apparently. You know, it's not the most marketed <laughs> league in the world. What about, uh, like, Arizona did that for a temporary thing uh, when they moved to Mullet Arena? The away guys were getting dressed basically out in the parking lot with a yeah. tent around them. And, now, and look what that's done. That's a laughing stock <laughs> sports world. Hmm. So... It's been an interesting week, hasn't it, Schlemmer, since you last arrived? Uh, So last Wednesday, you came in here, I guess it was two days after the Oilers lost in Vancouver, and it was a really kind of a piss-poor effort that they, you know, put up in Vancouver, lost 6-2. Started to hear rumblings already. Thought, you know, maybe see how the week goes. And then what did you think of the game in San Jose, even watching on Thursday night? It was a later game, so probably you got, once the kids went to bed, you probably had a chance to watch that one. Yeah, I watched it. I mean, I, I thought they played well enough to win, but at the same time, just these killer mistakes mm-hmm. that they're just beating themselves. And just watching the the last game there with Knobloch behind the bench, I mean, I, I thought they played a solid game. I didn't think it was too different besides just eliminating those kind of head-scratcher mistakes, mm-hmm. you know, that end up in the back of the net. Those mistakes, I think we haven't seen as many of them, yeah. I guess, in the last couple of games. Having said that, you know, it's Seattle, it's the Islanders. That's the type of game the Islanders play, man. They, they don't want to give up much. They don't try to press for much I guess that's how you could say it what did you make what did you make of the game uh you know just on Monday night against the Islanders I mean it's a step in the right direction right um the first 10 minutes were pretty ugly so uh kudos to them for kind of bouncing back after giving up the first one what was it 20 seconds in and they were getting shelled a little bit but uh after that I thought they responded real well and uh, and played a steady game Nice to see the two big guns snap out of it a little bit, Yes, too. <laughs> and we've talked about that. I mean, if Leon Dreisaitl, Connor McDavid play average, a little even above average, the team is an average team. 
Oh, know? 100%. So those guys, when they take it to the next level, it brings everybody else up as well. Yeah. And you saw that. You saw guys, uh, you know, elevate their game. Hey, why don't we do an elevate your game right now? Let's do this right now on the Oilers. The Oilers have to try to elevate their game uh, because of where they are and what they're doing. They are on a two-game winning streak. They have the opportunity to win three in a row tonight against the Seattle Kraken. They beat the Kraken on the weekend. So Elevate Your Game brought to you by Ram Elevators and Lifts. Unlock the potential of your residence with a home elevator or lift. Learn more at TrustRam.com. So, David Schlemko, what in your mind do you think that the the Oilers to elevate their game moving forward under a new coach, main points, main keys? Well, first of all, I think they need to clean it up in their own end a little bit. I think even against the Islanders, giving up way too many shots from the house, kind of in tight in the slot there. Mm-hmm. Um, I really think if this team is going to be a contender in any way, they still need another puck moving D. I mean, that's that's a wish list thing yep. somewhere down the road, but I just I see way too much of the D just beating it around the wall and rimming pucks when, you know, they got so much speed up the middle, like with Connor and uh, even McLeod, if they can... Find a D that can shake that mm-hmm. F1 and, you know, hit the center with some speed coming out of our end. I think we're going to create so many more chances off the rush. So it's funny you say that, Schlemmer, because yesterday we had Grant Fuhr on. Yeah. And, of course, I mean, the, the bigger question or uh, one of the bigger questions is the fact that Paul Coffey is coming in here as the, the defensive coach. And I asked Grant about it and he goes, well, the main thing that Koff will be doing is to do exactly what you just said. Get that first pass, get it out quick, get it up to the other guys. Now you're not defending anymore. Right. So Grant had a very good perspective on it. I assume when you were playing, that was one of the, your defensive coaches were saying, get it out quick. If you can get it on the tape of a player, that's just as good. That's better, obviously. Better. So, yeah, you know, <laughs> yeah. but at least it's not in your own zone. Yeah, 100%. You know. I think uh, just not a lot of tape-to-tape passes coming out of the D zone right now. And I mean, in the O zone, I think like, they've outshot a lot of teams. They've been buzzing, I think, as soon as a few guys kind of get off the schneid and pucks start going in. I, I think that's going to come as well. Lines will be a little different because Dylan Holloway goes down. So Connor Brown likely, I think, would come in tonight. Last year in the playoffs, uh, the Oilers had a pretty good line with Ryan McLeod and Derek Ryan and Warren Fogle. But maybe maybe Ryan stays with Hamlin and, and Raphael Lavoie, and then you move Connor Brown right into that third-line spot for now, see how he does. And then eventually, I assume, your main goal is to put him back up with Connor McDavid where he started. Yeah, I mean, we'll see. They have that chemistry from junior, but obviously didn't translate at the start of the year. I think Brown was maybe a little step behind after missing a whole year. Mm-hmm. But I, I like I like what you're saying there. I like sliding Brown in there on the third line. I think that that uh, Hamlin, Lavoie, and Ryan line's actually been okay. pretty effective the mm-hmm. last couple of games. So could see Brown move right into that slot, despite the fact that Ryan uh, had that good chemistry last year in the playoffs with Fogel and McLeod. I think Fogel's playing too well right now to even talk about being in the bottom six. That, you know, we talked about that off the hop. Uh, I guess it was yesterday. If anyone that doesn't deserve to be in the bottom six, it's Warren Fogel. Oh, 100%. But. He's 
doing it all. But the coach probably says to him, Warren, we need you probably there to continue what you're doing just to balance things out. So maybe he's taking a little bit of a hit right now. Because you could easily, you could easily put Fogel up on the top line, bring Sam Gagne down. You could do that in a second. You could slide him in anywhere right now. So he's been the most consistent forward from start to finish so far in this season. But I look at it like, too, he's taken one for the team to try to balance one out here. Yeah. I mean, I like sliding uh, Gagne up, too. You know, he brings a little bit of that kind of slick little creativity that maybe to, uh, you don't see very often in players. He's kind of that wily veteran, you know? Mm-hmm. From the rig, KK, Lavoie's in the minors. What? When did this happen, Duke? <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> yes, that was done yesterday. You would imagine that it's like a paper transaction. Yeah. I would think that's how you would call it. I mean, we'll see what happens here in the next little bit. Um, so moving forward here, as, how many times did you have to undergo a coaching change mid-season? I never did. Never actually. did. At no. any point in your career? No. Wow. Never had the midseason switch. Uh, in the minors, actually, but I was, I think I was called up at the time when it happened. So, man, you, you almost re- phrased it like the roommate switch there, didn't he, Duke from Seinfeld? <laughs> Schlemko's just too good of a locker room guy. Keeps the team bonded. They don't need to make any coaching changes when you got David Schlemko yeah, in the mix. That's it. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh man. Uh, we should take a quick break here, but that was Elevate Your Game, brought to you by Ram Elevators and Lifts, manufacturing the safest elevator since 1987. Trustram.com. When we come back, we are. It's a new segment. It's a first one. It's a new new kind of segment that we brought on for the last, I guess, now five days. This is the fifth day for it. Uh, or is it the fourth day, fifth day? I don't even remember. I, you know, with it all, all the, it all blends together. With all the, with all the Jonas Brothers songs coming in, I just can't <laughs> keep track anymore, Duke. Uh, but it's going to be: Are you in? Or are you out? With David Schlemko coming up right after the break on Sports fourteen forty. Stay with us. All right, welcome back to the big program. Wouldn't you know it? The Oilers recall Raphael Lavoie. Wow. <laughs> Let me put on my surprise face. Um, also recalled. Adam Ernie, this right during the commercial break, and uh, Philip Broberg. So the Oilers oh. recall those three players. Matthias Janmark placed on long-term injury, injury reserve, as is Dylan Holloway. So probably an extensive injury to Holloway where he will miss several weeks. Now, Janmark can go retro back to October something, whatever it is, but uh, got a couple games left in the sense where he is on LTIR. So, shocking that Raphael Lavoie <laughs> is back after that little quick little hitter down down to the uh, minors on a paper transaction. So he's I, been good. He's been. I think he's been okay. I, I still, with a big body like that, I want to see a lot more physicality, physicality. on the forecheck. Yeah. More, just getting involved. Go hard to the net and stay there. Let someone move you. Yeah, I see that. You can tell that he's a he's a skill guy, though. Mm-hmm. You know, you can tell he's a shooter. He finds finds those nice quiet spots in the ozone. And, and for me, for a guy that a young guy, that's a skill guy that comes up, and you know, if they don't have success, it's usually because they're invisible. They're not doing much, but at least he's doing all the right little things. Mm-hmm. You know, he's getting pucks out. He's getting pucks deep. He's making high percentage plays and he's had a couple of good looks. You can tell he's got a good shot. So I think it's coming for him. So with Adam Ernie coming back up, 
maybe Connor Brown isn't totally ready. Maybe not. So maybe it's nice to have some options for once. And that's the main <laughs> thing, isn't it? So now you go. If I'm not one of the twelve, I'm in the press box. Well, a little accountability never hurt anybody, right? That's what I say. <laughs> Talk about accountability. The Duke is accountable again after a tough night, but he's come through with another edition of Are You In or Are You Out? Here is the Duke of Delburn. All right, boys. Wednesday edition of In or Out. The Oilers back in action tonight versus the Seattle Crack. And we saw Connor McDavid get off the schneid earlier this week versus the Islanders, but still way, way, way down the list in terms of uh, top scorers, far from where we usually see him. But what I'm saying is that by the year's end, Connor McDavid will still finish as a finalist for the Hart Trophy as the league's MVP. Are you in or are you out? Do you want to flip a coin to go first here, Schlemmer, or what? You go first. We'll okay. go back and forth. Okay, okay, I'm going to go, unfortunately, I'm going to say I am out. Only because of the start and missing a couple games, trying to find his game. Even if he goes on such a, terrid, a torrid streak, there's so many guys that are off to fantastic starts in the NHL. I would love nothing more to see Connor McDavid win another Hart Trophy, but I would think that right now the main... If he wins a Hart Trophy, that means he's the league's leading scorer. He's doing everything else. Focus right now is to get this team back on track, get it to where it needs to be, just even in this next 10 segment. Take it from there. Push to solidify a playoff spot. Worry about team success more so than personal success. I'm out. I'm with you there, Kev. I hate to bet against the best player on the planet. But, uh, yeah, like you said, I think he's just a little bit too far behind in scoring. He's he's playing through an injury right now. I think if you ask him, he wouldn't care at all about this award. If you, if you tell him that they're going to come back and make the playoffs and take a run at the Cup, I don't think he's going to care about the Hart Trophy. And, uh you know, just with him winning everything last year too, I don't, I don't know if he's even seen as a finalist this year. Even if he works his way back up around the top score. Mm-hmm. Michigan Wolverines football club uh, coming out as number two ranked team in the nation uh, this week. They have a matchup with Maryland and then Ohio State University, their rivals for their final two games of regular season. Of course, the scandal surrounding head coach Jim Harbaugh and the sign stealing fiasco. Harbaugh has two more games remaining on his suspension. So what I want to say is that uh, Jim Harbaugh will only coach one more game for the Michigan Wolverines, and that will be their bowl game coming up this winter. Oh, that's a tough one for me, Duke. I'm not the biggest <laughs> college football guy here. But uh, blue. I will say I'm in on that. I think uh, after the scandal, maybe Harbaugh goes back to the NFL. Ooh. I'm in. Schlemmer, he, that's, he throws one in there. So, again, so you're just saying at Michigan, Duke, right? I, I think that if he remains in the NCAA, it will, of course, be with Michigan still. But I'm kind of with Schlemmer. I think uh, after all this, and this is the second time he's been suspended this season, he's, he might be a little fed up with the Big Ten mm-hmm. and the NCAA oversight and uh, decide to make a move back to the NFL where he had success. He coached a team to the Super Bowl, losing to his brother. <laughs> tough, I'm gonna, tough scene. You know what? Just for the hell of it, I'm going to so, go uh, that 
I'm going to say that I am out on this. I'm you think st- he'll be back in the I, blue and I will say the alumni at uh, Michigan and some other factors will come into play, dollars and cents, and somehow down the road, again, if it's depending on what happens in this bowl game, that's the first time he can come back, right? Yes, yeah. The, uh, yeah he'll be out for the final two regular season games and what will probably be a, a semifinal game um, so if they win the semifinal game, or, then- or alternatively, I guess uh, I, I kind of skipped a step in there. He um, will probably coach in the Big Ten championship game okay. first, which almost certainly will be versus Ohio State. Or re- they'll play in back to back weeks. So. so on a technicality, then Duke, <laughs> I will say that yes, I am in that, or I am out that Jim Harbaugh will only coach one more game. I'll say he will coach more it, than one more game. You, it is still possible yeah. because if they were to lose the Big Ten championship, if they lose to Ohio State mm-hmm. in the final week and then lose again in the Big Ten Championship, they will not be in the uh, college football playoff, but they will still have a bowl game regardless. Right so it's, uh, there, there's a few factors at play there, but we can uh, move on to number three. A lot of surprises in the NHL early going this season. The uh, su- success of the Boston Bruins after losing their top two centers, the lack of success of the Edmonton Oilers uh, at the forefront of our minds, but another team on the radar of uh, surprisingly positive, the Anaheim Ducks. They erased a two-goal deficit last night versus the Predators to continue their good start to the season. And what I'm saying to you guys is that uh, despite finishing dead last in the NHL last season, the Anaheim Ducks will make the playoffs come this spring. Your Ducks, Duke. They're pretty good. (laughs) I am so out on this. I am out with gout, out with gout that the Anaheim Ducks make the playoffs. This is a total aberration. This is smoke and mirrors. This is a three or four game losing streak ready to happen for this team. <laughs> Out with gout. They will not make the playoffs. Wow. Tell us how you really feel, Kev. <laughs> I'm not going to be that harsh on your docs, Duke. I do like them. They're a good young team, but I, I got to go with out as well. I think uh, you see this a lot with these good young teams full of young players that come out with a lot of piss and vinegar at the start of the year have a real good start but I think once maybe trade deadline that kind of time hits and the game changes a little bit it's almost between like regular season and playoffs that's I think where they'll fall off number four today the uh, yesterday to surprise of virtually nobody the long list of uh, players in the MLB that were offered qualifying offers by their teams all rejected some big names in the free agent market Cody Bellinger Matt Chapman Sonny Gray Josh Hader Aaron Nola Shohei Otani and Blake Snell what I'm saying is whether it is retaining Matt Chapman or one of these other Mm. big names the Toronto Blue Jays will secure one of the top tier free agents this MLB offseason I am in (laughs) They have to. <laughs> After what happened, they have to, I think. After all the drama with the manager and, you know, not winning a game or a playoff game the last two years, I mean, I think Jays fans deserve it. We need it. I am absolutely in they're going to land a top-tier free agent. I am totally out with this. I think the Jays do not land a top-notch free agent, not even Matt Chapman. I think Chapman goes to the New York Yankees. I think the Jays will not even have a sniff at anyone that you would consider a top-level free agent. Well, what do we have to look forward to? Your then? pinstripes are showing, Kevin. <laughs> I don't. Well, I'm just. I, I think that that's where Chapman's going to land. That's my just my opinion. Last one for you guys. Steering away from the world of sports, uh, as thoroughly discussed with the past couple of days, I was uh, down at Rogers for a concert last night, taking in the Jonas Brothers. I cabbed. 
to and from uh, being over here in the West End, the LRT construction uh, expansion, <laughs> well, uh, well underway. But what I'm saying is whether it be uh, in the future or in the immediate um, couple days uh, with Oilers games, concerts, you name it, the LRT should be free during large scale events. Are you in or are you out? I am 100% out on this. <laughs> Absolutely not. Not free. Because where does it stop? Does it stop on, let's just say, was it free for the Heritage Classic? I don't think so. Okay. I don't think so. So I think the city needs to generate as much revenue as possible because this city is being run into the ground. On They're so, not getting enough off all my photo radar tickets. <laughs> on so many on so many levels. Uh, nope, I am out. The LRT has to be charging. The city needs to be charging through all events to make revenue, to make money for the city. This is a tough one for me, honestly. Where does it end then? I couldn't agree more. I think there's a bunch of clowns at our city, at our city council. Um, but I mean, you got to find some way for people to ride this thing. How many billions of the spent on this thing you know how many it's not even safe enough to ride and nobody's willing to ride it when it's all said and done when everything is all said and done they'll spend more money in the billions that there are people on the planet (laughs) that's how bad this is how mismanaged this whole lrt situation i I couldn't agree more it has been a total debacle if you now okay and again we're coming into the mall here on 87th avenue like, well, first of all, don't even think about going down 87th Avenue. No, near, no. From, from 150, <laughs> from 156, well, even 149. From 149 to 178, don't even think about it. Let's We could have a friendly bet here right now. And this is because the Valley LRT line has been three years delayed, maybe a little coming up on more. But yeah. it's open now, isn't it? I don't. I think they had a big, uh, you grand know, grand opening. opening. They're, Three they're, years. They're running like okay. half the trains right now. I think. Three years. Also, okay. I'm gonna just do one quick one here too. If you take the bus from Mill Woods, where the end of the Valley LRT is, you take the bus downtown, a bus with transfers, you will get to downtown quicker on a bus than you will on the LRT. No. Yes. <laughs> what? That cannot be. I'm true. telling you. Now, here is my other statement. Oh man, this is this is awesome. I feel like I'm just back in the uh, old news days. I, I'll say right now that the we will not see a train on the 87th till the end of this decade on the 87th Avenue, and it's coming up. You, you see all the supports going up, right? All the Y supports. Yep. I'll say we don't see any train on that line until not in this decade. So seven more years. Well, well we're, six, almost, we're almost six, six, more, years. six yeah. more years. Yeah, that's what I say. I wouldn't be surprised. I, I would not be surprised. I certainly hope that's not the case because, goodness, it's already a nightmare out there trying to get around uh, around the construction. But I, I honestly, Kevin, I also would not be shocked. Yeah. I'm not in disagreement with you. Cat, Cat Dead texts in, they offer free bike park during major events. So now, again, with all the bike lanes, <laughs> the again, bike people lanes. are going bananas on that. Well, oh. they can't find any money anywhere, but... Hundred million in bike lanes. Now we're getting lots. Of, this is good. Smitty goes. Why does everybody want everything for free? If if people are trying to encourage public transit use and there's a lack of parking downtown, there are parkades and the one surface lot behind Rogers. But if we're trying to encourage people to use public transit instead of driving for the environment for congestion downtown, 
what's the difference in paying driving my car down there and paying whatever mm-hmm. eight bucks to park or paying the five bucks for an LRT ticket back and forth? Like I, I'm the convenience of driving is going to trump that. Yeah. Uh-huh. Well. So it's so like it. I'm talking about in terms of motivating people and getting in and out of downtown because of the vehicles, like from events, whether it's Oilers games, concerts. It's a nightmare. Yeah. Patty and Spruce text in one eight three three four zero one fourteen forty. Kevin, I agree with you. They also won't have the construction complete on the South Handy by the end of the decade either. <laughs> uh, Smitty the welder ain't happy. Uh, typical socialist ideas. Brad says, "Where do you think Otani will sign?" Okay, now there's a there's a nice talking point. Jays. <laughs> Jays. Oh, Schlemmer. Uh, anyway, that was. Are you in or are you out? When we come back, we will continue on with this conversation. Maybe a little bit of LRT. Should it be free? Will it ever be done? <laughs> and uh, we'll take some more of your texts and calls. one 1440 It's the Kevin Carey Show with David Schlemko on 1440. Stay with us. All right, welcome back to the big program, 941 in Edmonton. We are looking at a fabulous weekend again, like highs of plus 10, plus 11. Beautiful. You know what, uh, Schlemmer? I think I might tee it up again at Terra Pines. Oh, yeah. yeah. Is it open? Oh, yeah. We played there 10 days ago, I played. Love that. You know, the- you know where else is still open, Kev, as well? Where? Manville Riverview Golf is Course. Is it really? Yeah, my uh, good friend of mine's a superintendent there, and uh, he sent some <laughs> videos from this past Sunday of him and his brother out there uh, playing around. So Too bad I put the... the uh, somebody hit one into the Vermilion River, just uh, went in there and chucked uh, it off the top of the ice. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> put it back in play. Well, years ago, I was golfing at uh, Lewis Estates. It was November 18th, and on the par three, uh, five, six, whatever it is, there's a little kind of a small pond in front, and I chunked one, and it hit the hit the pond. Doink, doink. Skipped on doink, the green. Doink, oh, about five skips. No, no <laughs> it, wasn't, it wasn't a skip. It was like literally like, and then you hear that sound when it hits the ice and rolled right on about 10 feet away. Nice, nice. little birdie, you know. Nice little three-putt bogey. Uh, no, 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 no. <laughs> but we golfed with uh, uh, Will, I guess. What was his name? With Grant Fuhr's friend. Oh, at, yeah. At Terra Pines two weeks ago, so. Nice. It's going to be nice. It's supposed to be nice again. That's for the hardos. I don't know. 10 you plus your, 10. You got to wear your gloves in between nope, shots? No, no gloves. No gloves at all. No. That's great. So. Texts coming in, one 1440 um, <laughs> A lot of, lot of texts about the LRT. It's too, you know what would be cool? <laughs> I imagine. And I'm sure that the city, I'm sure City Hall has a hotline and people calling in. I know they do, the 311 or whatever line it is. Yeah. Could you imagine if they got wind of all these texts? We should just fire them off. <laughs> Uh, right to there. Um, what do we got? Well, I wanted to get to that one about, um, where is it, Duke? Oh, there it is, yeah. Um, this is from Tony, the meter reader, because we were talking about CFL and, and things like that, and just to kind of break away from the LRT for a second. <laughs> yeah. Uh, this comes from Tony. Hey, boys, I'm a season ticket holder and have a tailgate stall, which is, I mean, tailgating at, Commonwealth has come on a little bit. Oh, that's you a know, thing. It's a eh? good place to be. You have to have a certain stall to be able you to buy a stall. It? So on, in lot B on the uh, west side of the of the of the stadium, okay. it's kind of all they've kind of taken the parking away. But you're still parking there because you're taking your vehicle, right? Right. So you are moving in and you set up a little spot. You're you buy that little, you rent that area technically yeah. for the year. It's part of your season ticket. I would say that's awesome. So you know all along there, and it's it's you know they got the bands going and things yeah. like that. So it's a lot cool. of fun. So 
uh, I wave the white flag on defending the CFL. And this is from a season ticket holder. The league is dying. I watch nearly every game on TV with empty stadiums except Winnipeg. I often hear this is a bums in the seats league. I just don't see it. You know the CFL is in trouble when Mosaic Stadium is half empty in a must-win final game. I've been watching the CFL for 40 years. Product not nearly as good as decades past. How many current CFLers are going to the CFL Hall of Fame? I can only think of Harris from Toronto. They're always... There's been a handful of great players. Maybe we were spoiled. From what I've read, Halifax ain't happening. Ambrosi told me himself this year that the group is on notice and they'll look at Quebec City. I've read that Halifax City Council has no appetite on giving a dollar to the new stadium. I go to Elks Games with my two daughters for twelve fifty a game. Best deal in the city by a country mile. And whatever happened to the Grey Cup moving up three, four weeks? And you're right, Kevin. Absolutely no buzz for the Grey Cup, at least not here in Yeg. Just saying, Tony, the meter reader. It's a long text, but well worth it. Yeah. Covered a lot of points. It's got some good stuff in there. So why, why do you think that would be? That the CFL product would be worse now. Like, is it the Americans one, coming out of college, going no. somewhere else? No, because I get back to the Ocho Cinco thing. The fact that the talent from the American players, Ocho Cinco said it himself in his interview last week. The players that come up here are great players. And the Canadian players are great as well. Identity, team to team, you you never have, you don't have that... That long term, you're not, you know, in Winnipeg, maybe you see it. They lock these guys up. You you locked up Big Hill. You locked up uh, other guys in the backfield. Harris was there a long time before moving on. But recognition between teams and years if, is a fail. Even as a media person, Ian Edmonton, going from year to year, you go to the beginning of the year and you go, you don't know anybody. who are these guys again? Oh, okay. So that's how, what the CFL has become. The player recognition isn't there. No you only have again anymore. Yeah, you, you, and and again, you you know back, and, and everyone says, well, "Why do you keep talking about back in the day, back in the?" But that's <laughs> because it was a better time. Better it was time better, and this even this texture, you know, Tony's saying the same thing. Ah, uh, text from Anthony. Uh, <laughs> this is okay. Let's kind of combine a couple here. Yeah, let's uh, do it. This is from Anthony, the washed up goalie. I drive in from Spring Lake for games regularly and navigating traffic parking is no problem at all. 45 minutes, about five minutes longer for oiler games. I would never take transit. Not only because there isn't an option, that's the best place to get in trouble on the LRT. There's a lot of people who would never mm-hmm. ride the LRT. Uh, hey guys, Josh in St. Albert. I rode the Toronto train from the airport to downtown recently. It's great. Unlike Edmonton, they have transit officers walking through each train, making sure people are paying. If you don't have a ticket, they make you purchase one or escort you off the train at the next stop. What a concept, hey. <laughs> I got a feeling, you know, I, I, I could see Duke heading down on the train. Sneaking on, you know, going to the Jonas Brothers. <laughs> What's crazy is when I was in university, you you it's in your tuition. You have a U-pass. You pay for every semester. Yeah. But I wouldn't have it on me all the time. And so I refused to buy a ticket. Like if we were taking it downtown for wings on a Wednesday night or whatever, we're like, oh, yeah, what are the chances we, we get asked about it? Every time I did not have my one card with me, I got stopped by... <laughs> 
an LRT person. And you had to pay? No. Th- oh. Like, they, I was with, usually the people I was with had their cards. And I was like, listen, I'm a student. I can literally pull up my registrar's office uh, thing. He's like, I, you, they know that as students you have one card. So they would let me go. They were pretty kind in that regard. But I couldn't believe it that every time I did not have it, that is when I would get stopped mm-hmm. by a transit officer. And uh, if they were a little more uh, mean and not as kind, I probably would have had, because the tickets are big. Yeah. If you get a ticket for not having a ticket, um, yes. a ticket for not having a ticket, they're pretty sizable. I've been kicked off the train. Didn't get a <laughs> ticket, but definitely <laughs> <laughs> uh, got asked to leave. Uh, don't forget that the XFL and the USFL have likely watered the American content in the CFL down too. Thanks, Kevin. That comes from Tony yeah. again. That's a fair comment as well. XFL. Tony's bringing it today. There's still arena football. There's really? arena football. Uh, there's European football. You know, uh-huh. uh, there's many places where these guys can play. But again, I keep going back to Ocho Cinco in his interview saying that the, the talent that comes up here, because he came up here. Yes, it was at the end of his career. Yes, he was, you know, probably not totally into it at that point, but he still was. Still knows what talent Still knows is. what talent was. And he said, right. he said he saw it right from the, uh, from the beginning. So, uh, Oilers tonight, in your career, you said you never underwent a coaching change, but uh, Chris Knobloch's, I think, what, is he five years older than you or six? What, he's 44, I think, right now. Well, that'd be eight years, Kev. Eight years, okay. Well, Run. you know, Slammer, you just look, you look <laughs> just more mature, wiser. That's what it is, you know. So did you ever run across him? Like, did you know him at all in the uh, past or stuff? No, I, I remember the name from when he played at the U of A. Mm-hmm. Um, and I saw he coached the Edmonton Ice, so obviously went to a few of those as a kid, so... Yeah. Nice that he's got some Edmonton connections and uh, hopefully feels comfortable in town here. As I said, um, you know, with, with David Amber, and you can kind of feel like going down, you, you look at the, the, the expression, and even during interviews with Connor McDavid and guys like Leon Dreisaitl, Zach, Zach Hyman, core group guys, yep. how I kind of looked at this is that the Oilers were not okay with the coaching change. Yeah. But they are okay with the coach coming in. Yeah. Well, I mean, they're going to bear a lot of that blame, right? Mm-hmm. Being that core group. And uh, obviously they have a lot of respect for, for Woodcroft and, and Dave Manson. Mm-hmm. So it's a, it's a tough situation, right? You're, you're going to feel a lot of guilt on that. But at the same time, this is a new young coach with an incredible opportunity and you know, they're just they're looking for a spark, and, and hopefully this is it. I don't think they're that far off mm-hmm. from being a really good team. So hopefully this is it. Kevin Carius, David Schlemko on Sports 1440. The biggest, I guess, I don't know, news, the biggest eye-opener when the coaching change happened was kind of Paul Coffey being added to the staff. What was your take on Paul Coffey being added to the staff coming from his advisory role to the owner, Daryl Cates? If I'm a D-man on the Oilers, I'm ecstatic. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's unbelievable. Uh, Hall of Fame pedigree defenseman. Uh, you know, he's <clears throat> been with the Oilers in one capacity or another for on and off for a long time. So obviously cares about the team, cares about the franchise. And mm-hmm. I mean, just selfishly, if I'm a D-man, just thinking about how much you can learn from this guy would be incredible. If you were... I don't know, 27, 28-year-old David Schlemko and you were suiting up for an NHL team and this happened and all of a sudden, you know, Paul Coffey's behind you. What are you thinking? 
I'm thinking awesome. You might be a little nervous your first few shifts though, right? <laughs> I remember uh, I remember my first call up, like Wayne Gretzky was our coach in mm-hmm. Phoenix and you get a five on three power play and you don't score, you almost don't even want to look at him when you're coming back to the bench. <laughs> yeah. But uh no, I think I think that's awesome for those guys to be really cool and like I said I think they'll learn a lot and it's a cool opportunity for coffee too like mm-hmm. you said he's never coached at this level so uh be interesting for him and uh I'm sure he'll be pretty good at it. I was saying earlier in the week I think the toughest thing for for Coff is going to be the grind here. Yeah. It's it's not easy being an assistant coach. Well, it's not being a, a, a head coach, a player. It's 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 a grind, and it is a grind. You know, for him to undertake this for the first time. Yeah, what's it going to be like for him? That's true. You know, I didn't think of that. Especially being the assistant coach, you're the one that's staying out with the mm-hmm. the healthy scratches after and skating them and doing all the extra video and that. So, I think I don't know if you're a hockey guy, you're a hockey guy. Yeah. I think I think he's going to love it. I think he's going to love it too. Yeah. And I think, you know, even talking to Vincent DeHarnay yesterday, I did a little quick one-on-one with him. He was ecstatic about this. And not to well, say that yeah. he, I mean, but again, he was he's in the same boat, same phrase where he goes, I owe a lot to Dave Manson. I mean, without Dave Manson, Vincent DeHarnay is probably not in the NHL. Right. Because he had him in the minors. Had too, him in the right? minors and, you know, he's the mentorship, uh, you take him under his wing. But moving forward, it's a totally different dynamic to have this guy behind the bench for you. Oh, yeah. So uh, one text we got to get to before the break, and at the top of the hour, we'll have an old teammate of David Schlemko's. This comes from Brad. Hey, you never answered my question on where Shohei Otani will sign. The Jays are not an answer, as they will never get him. That comes from Brad. <laughs> well, we already said that, didn't well, we, in we the uh, Are You In or You Out? Okay, uh, we could do a little quick one here on that. I, I'll go, do you want me to go first? Where I think I think he signs with the L.A. Dodgers. I'll just take the, the easier one. I'll take the L.A. Dodgers, but I'll take as the sleeper, the Seattle Mariners. Okay. I'm going Yankees, just because they always seem to get everyone with all their money. Wouldn't that, I'd love that. That would be awesome. <laughs> Dude? Uh, I, I'm on Kevin's side. I think he will stay at West. There's been a lot of um, fanfare about his desire to remain on the West Coast, although the, the reasoning behind that I don't really get. Like, yes, is it technically closer to uh, in terms of flying mm-hmm. back to his uh, his home country of Japan? Sure. But in the grand scheme, we're talking about crossing the Pacific Ocean versus the continental United States. Like, how much further is it if you're flying from New York as opposed to from L.A.? What is that, like an f- extra five hours on what's prob- like a 12-hour yeah, f- flight? Yeah, I mean, I'm sure he's got a PJ going, so. And, and that's what <laughs> I mean. Like, probably got the PJ Concord. And it's Concord. not like he's jetting back over there every weekend. Like, So I, I don't get that, but I think it's been made well enough uh, aware that he does prefer to stay on the West Coast. That's where he's comfortable. You know, I'm, I'm going to go off the board. And just for the fun of it, I'm going to say San Francisco San Fran. Giants. There you go. I hope it's just in the National League, just to get him out of our American League draft. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's all I care about mostly, to be honest with there you. There you go. What a player. And oh. I mean, he's not going to pitch next year. Mm-hmm. Um, but do you, like, and here, before we jump out, Kevin, like, do you still yeah. think he's going to, like, how much of his not pitching next season will impact what the dollar figure on this contract is? Do you think it'll impact it at all? A tiny bit, because I think he wants to pitch in the future, yeah. right? So, oh, yeah. uh, but taking a year off from pitching, I think you're probably looking at, uh, but when you're, when you're talking about 500 million, 600 million, 
I mean, what's it going to be? Instead of six, maybe it's five fifty. <laughs> yeah. You know, the old Texas Ranger owner when he signed Alex Rodriguez said this is years ago when he signed it. I think it was two hundred seventy million or something like that. Yeah. Was, how about you? Uh, I'll take your contract. You can have the team. How's that sound? <laughs> uh, when we come back, we've got some some of your phone calls. Maybe we'll get them in with uh, Kyle Chipchura, former teammate of David Schlemko. That's coming up at the top of the hour. Before that, time now for a sports fourteen forty update. Here is the Duke.